met this six-year-old child in this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm your host, generally, um, and for tonight, we welcome back our extraordinary returning guest from episode 237, um, that's part one of British Native New Age Traveller. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Denny Dance. Now then, Denny, lovely. Hiya. Hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Okay. Good. Good. That's the uh, weather been like down there? Oh, well, it's pretty grey and grim. Not not cold. Very, very <laughs> warm today. Yeah. Oh, it's not cold. Has it been cold at any point, like, say, over the past week or so? Since last time we spoke, uh, anyway. It's been warmer this week, but we had a really cold spell, like, last week. Um, yes. Yes, last week was... Uh, yeah, we had loads of... We had snow and frost. You had snow? Yeah, well, I I live on the moor, oh, so nice. we get, we get yeah, snow, yeah. you know, even though I don't actually live on the moor, I live at the bottom, between yeah. where I live and the village, you'll get snow here, but not in the village. Are you are you more towards, uh, say, inland, or more towards out the coast? Well, the nearest coastline is from here is Timmer, so it's about 12 miles. About 12 miles. That's so, gorgeous. So, it's gorgeous, oh, I tell you. Bet it is. It's yeah. stunning round here. It really is. Don't it's 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 gorgeous. And then you've got all the, the folklore and the you know the yeah. moors. It's yeah. steeped in all sorts of stuff. You know the tours and it's really interesting. You can feel I it mean, as well. It's very magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like the, like the last certain areas in in Wales as well. Well, all over. Well, it's sort of, I mean, it, although it's not Celtic here, it's certainly got. The Celts, I guess, were here because if you go up on the moors, yeah, you'll find all the Celtic over. crosses everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you've got all standing stones, and you yeah. know you can see the remains of old settlements and stuff like that, and you can you can definitely feel certain places when you, got when you see vibe. Like that, it's like, it's like, uh, it makes you feel. It's, 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 like, it's so fucking different in it than like. Say like where I am, and then when you actually come across, oh, it's very uh, different. Yeah, it says yeah, it's like a almost. Yeah, it's very uh, different. Almost like a magical feeling. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's ancient. It's untouched. I mean, you go up there. That's it. And that's like, apart from ancient. the fact that you get the animals up there and farmers with their sheep or whatever, it's just it's untouched. It's wild. You know, I, that's why I love it. And I cold swim up there because it's elemental. It's lovely. You know, it's just nice. I feel free when I do that. You know. Yeah, I think uh, most um, most areas of like 
like Britain and, and Wales and Scotland, where I belong, of course, they're all beautiful in their own way. I don't think, yeah. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong, you get seaside towns, you know which ones I'm on about. They might be shitholes, but. They're still, still nice, that. though. They're still you, nice. Yeah, it's, you know, Timmouth is, you know, I busk in Timmouth and, you know, there's a great atmosphere there. Oh, and people are great really? there. And you've got the coast yeah. and, the, you know, the kiss me quick hats. And guys, you know, but it's, yeah. it is, you know, I like it too. Yeah. Is there, and then you've got what, the wild coastline, which is just, I mean, the on the sort of like um, South Ham side there it's it's really the geology is really interesting it's a stretch of about i don't know it's only about five miles and the cliffs they're silver they're silver and they've 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 got like um i think the 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 rock is like it's got um what's it called uh mica in it or something which is like a i think it's like a metal so they they, they're they're silver and then there's other sort of like slate as well it's kind of along the bottom yeah, of and it's slate. it's like honestly it's like an alien planet it's it's just stunning it's so weird i've never seen it like that anywhere else in the country it's amazing yeah. you could just imagine being on another planet it's so different yeah. so weird you'll have to um i'll send you a picture yeah 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 that's what i was gonna say oh, but, uh, yeah uh, i found like Places like that. There's a lot of places like that in Wales. Like yeah, yeah. North Wales and like, like Anglesey. Anglesey. So there's only a few been there, but it's... No, I've not been up that far, huge. but I've been to Wales. Yeah, it's, it's, look, I love Wales. Yeah, it's but, very, you know, very wild as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like it. I, quite a large parts of Wales are untouched, and that's, that's how England used to be. I know. I know, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, uh, all pigeon for the building a house. Yeah. Uh, It's not building for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful country we live in, that's for sure. So green as well. I mean, you know, especially when it's been dry and then it rains and it goes really green. The green is just, you know, wonder they call it the Emerald Isles, really, because it is, it's just so green. It's just lush, isn't it, you know? It's beautiful. It It really is. It really is. I love, I love England. You know, Britain, it's just, it's a lovely place, really. And it's tiny as well. Yeah, that's it. It makes us an interesting nation, I think, because we aren't really like the Europeans, are we? We're quite eccentric, I think. You know, a lot no, of music, I... a lot of comedies come out of England, doesn't the it? Music. Out of Britain, you know. The music, what comes out of um, Britain is, well, of the UK. You know, yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah, the whole of the UK, yeah, Ireland included, and Scotland, yeah. Wales and everything. Yeah, don't want to insult I anyone. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think personally. I think, uh, I know people might think, oh, fucking hell, sounds ridiculous, but I don't think that I class myself as a European. No, it's not the same. We're not attached to Europe. It's not the same. I mean, you know, I've lived in France for like all that time and I I never felt, I never felt akin to that, you know, and you can go to Spain and you can go to Italy and it's Mediterranean and you can see the mentality because they're attached, they're similar, you know, they might have a different language, but they are Latin, Latin, you know, and and they're similar. 
yeah. then, you know, Germany's a bit different, I suppose. But then, you know, I think Germany and even with Holland and, you know, Sweden and those countries, I think they're quite similar in some ways. They are. Yeah, I like that, yeah. But England, you know, Great Britain is is on its own, really. I'm, you know, it's just yeah. it's very, I'm, very I'm, different. It is, it is. And anyway. You know, comedy. But we'll just say about the comedy, there is nobody. Not no, any there's nothing like British humour. Like British humour. <laughs> no, there yeah. isn't. <laughs> it's off the wall, isn't it? British humour is off the wall. Yeah. It's just, you know... And British people are just quite eccentric, really, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <so. laughs> you know, and I, I love the British, and I, but oh, I also yeah. dislike them as well <laughs> sometimes. But, you know, part of the yeah. reason why I came back from France was because I miss British people. Yeah, it's crazy as well, though, like how from different areas of the country, how, how we are, like our personalities are and the way we are, like, People up north are completely different than people yeah. down south. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Love it. I love it. Yeah, so do I, and I like I like the difference in people. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I would, what I would yes. start with, because I thought of like you know I ended up where I was about twenty four years old I think, and what I wanted to just say the couple of events that happened in my mm. life before that that were a bit weird yeah. as well was um i went i went to this festival in the pyrenees mountains when i was about um what was i probably about i think i was about 18 and it was you know the festivals in those days were like really wild and um it was full of like european travelers so there was a, talking of you yeah. know foreigners and stuff it was germans dutch British, um, French. So there's a right mixture of people there, and it was it was very atmospheric. It felt very, um, what's the word? Uh, I don't know, almost otherworldly up so, there because it was in the was mountains. A music festival? Uh, yeah, it was a music festival. Music. Yeah, it was quite small. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've I've been there the whole weekend, and I was going back on the Sunday with my boyfriend, and we'd just gone to watch a band before we left really so we weren't out yeah. of it and I think I'd had a pint or something or you know I'd had a beer or something like that and I certainly hadn't taken any drugs and I was dancing away and I looked in front of me and I saw this like because festivals people used to run around naked quite a lot in those days <laughs> <laughs> myself included in the... <laughs> but anyway um, I looked I looked at the front of the crowd and there was this sort of like I couldn't work out if she was a woman or a or a girl, right? And she was totally naked and she was very, very thin. And I can't remember if she had hair or not, but I've got a feeling she had like very short hair. And she was dancing in this way that was not human. It, she was not human, I swear to you. And I never thought about it at the time. I kind of just, because I was at a festival and it, everything's different anyway at festivals. And like I say, people do odd things. I didn't really sort of like question it at the time. I just thought, oh, it's it's just, you know, some hippie teenage girl, if she's a girl. I couldn't work it out. Um, but she was so thin 
and she looked she looked like a sort of adolescent but then she didn't really look like an adolescent either she looked like a woman and it was just bizarre because everybody else was clothed and she was at yeah. the front stage naked like that and she was dancing in such a way that I've never ever seen in my life I can't describe it to you it's very weird I don't think she was human. I look back and I think she that person wasn't human. I don't know whether I just saw hey, it either. Hey. Maybe it was like um like an offshoot subspecies of like some sort of grey alien. <laughs> well that's what she looked like. She did. Oh. She did look like that. She was small. Yeah. But I don't know whether I, I just saw her or whether I never asked my boyfriend. I don't know why. I just I think because I didn't it didn't, it didn't really click at the time. Did she so, did this 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 whatever this creature? Did it make eye contact with you? No, because she was in front of me. I saw her from behind. All right. All right. Okay. But she it was just the way she was moving was just it just wasn't human. It was just. It was beautiful. It was beautiful the way she was dancing, but it just was not human. I mean, you know, you see a lot of dancing now and you think, you know, you watch people do pop, you know, popping and stuff like that. And you think, yeah, God, that's amazing how they move like that. But it wasn't like that. It was it was unearthly. It was just not like anything I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. It was so fucking weird. Uh, uh, that does sound weird. And I couldn't take my eyes off her. I just couldn't. I couldn't stop looking at her because it was so weird. Yeah. Hey. So that was one thing that happened to me, and then. Who knows? I know. Sounds mad. It sounds mad. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really weird. Whatever that was, it was. It was really odd. And then, like when I was probably around the same age, actually, I used to live in this like. um, It was a really weird like sort of flat that I lived in with my boyfriend and it was right sort of backed onto the graveyard and um or church sorry not graveyard a church and um in France yeah and it was a little village that I lived in yeah Yeah, it's in France and we had like this this sort of one room upstairs with a bathroom attached to it that we slept in and we went we went to bed one night and like I don't know, it's probably I don't know what time it was, but it's probably middle of the night sometime. And there's this we both woke up to this massive cracking noise. And we we're like, what the cracking. fuck is that? It was pitch black, didn't see anything. And then all of a sudden we heard this kind of like, like that. And then this this like massive weight on our legs and something on our heads. And we turned the light on, Shit. and the dog was on our head, absolutely shitting itself. It literally jumped on top of our head. And yeah. this massive old wardrobe that was at the foot of the bed had just cracked and snapped and fallen on top of us. It, and it was a really heavy old wardrobe, just randomly like that. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. In the middle of the night. You know, when you're saying cracking, I was, I thought, I thought for a moment, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like, you know, like, you know, sometimes like when you get thunder, it can like, it can sound like uh, a clap, can't it? Or, or like, yeah, you know, you sound like, it doesn't sound normal. Does it really sound anything like that? 
Sort of like, I'd say it's just more like someone cracking a piece of wood, if you can imagine that. You know, sometimes when you hear someone chopping wood or something, sort of that sort of sound, it sounded like someone... But, I mean, how would that happen? It was just weird. It was so weird. Just for it to fall down in the middle of the night yeah. like that on top of us. And it shit yeah. the dog up because he jumped on top of us. Yeah. Really, he could have... Um, I couldn't should imagine it would have like solid wood as well. It was a really big, solid old wardrobe. Oh, massive, oh. yeah. Solid old wardrobe. It was so weird that was. I'm just frightened the life out of me. <laughs> and then another thing that happened to me when I was a bit older, when I was yeah. about I don't know, probably about twenty-six or something. Oh, I was staying with my brother. And I was lying on the floor, sleeping on the floor, and a mirror fell on top of me in the middle of the night. A mirror? Yeah. Fell off the wall and fell on top of me. That was pretty scary as well. It was. Did it, did it, did it break anywhere or did it stay in? I think it cracked, but I don't, I, it didn't shatter. Yeah. It cracked, but it, yeah, like a didn't shatter. And that was weird as well. It's it just is. in the middle of the night like that, randomly. It's just odd. Was it when you say you stayed with your brother? Was that was that also in France, or was it when you came back? Was it what? Was that also in France? No, that was that was in Devon. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, no, that was that was um a number of years later. Anyway, that, so that was that. Anyway, I'm going to get into the other part of the story now that's supposed okay. to be quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, so when I was 24, I had that long-term relationship and had yeah. one child with him, and he was, he was abusive. Um, and actually, he died last week, which was a bit weird, because I heard that, First thing this oh, morning, I told you earlier, didn't I? Which was quite, yeah, uh, quite I weird, that was. I'd like to say again, I'm sorry for your loss. Well, and I'm not. I can't stand the guy. But I, I feel for my daughter. You know, it really hurt me because I know my daughter's struggling with it, you know. But... Yeah, I should imagine. Poor, poor yeah. I don't, I don't feel anything at all. Not after the way he treated me. I feel absolutely fuck all about that. Um, yeah. In fact, I think... I felt I did I did cry, but it wasn't a crying of grief. It was oh, a crying hey. of thank God it's he's gone almost. It's yeah. like it's almost like a relief type thing. I mean, at the end of the day, you tell you, you your what well, that's uh, most important for you to. Uh, yeah, it's my daughter. She's, and I know right. she's suffering, I'm and just, I know it. It really yeah. it's really hurting her. So you know well, that that was my concern. To, uh, I don't, I don't want to see her suffer. Anyway, so that was that. And then, anyway, so time went on and, like, we we kind of split up and got back together. And then, I and, and like I said, I've met this guy, didn't I? I told you that yes. I met this guy. And for, you know, privacy's sake, we'll call him, I don't know, um, John. Um, so, anyway, John was in and out of my life for a little bit over the sort of like 12 years that I was with him, you know, the, my oldest daughter's father. Um, and anyway, there came a point where 
uh, we did this house exchange and he moved into our house and we moved into his house. And anyway, the long and short of it was that, like I said to you, when, that, when I first got with my oldest daughter's father, I knew I should never have been with him. I told you I had that dream. Yeah. And um, so anyway, one night we were like drinking a lot and what have you, and we'd had this row and he'd been picking on me. And I think I just had enough at that point and I didn't care yeah. anymore. I stopped you know, biting my tongue. And I just, I remember sitting in the corner of the room sort of saying, I should never have been with you in the first place. It's always been wrong. And I don't know, I don't know how I got away with not being hit that night because having said that, normally would have gone for me, you know, but he didn't. And all I remember is the next day I woke up and I completely freaked out because I thought, I, I can't be here anymore. I've, I've now the truth's out. And I left and I picked my daughter up from school. And I tried to find John's ex-wife, who was my best friend, yeah. so that I could go and stay with her. And I couldn't find her anywhere. And in the end, I ended up going to John's girlfriend's place that he was with then. Or they, they were kind of over, but they were still in each other's lives a bit. And I, I ended up going there. Were you friends? Were you, were you friends with um, this, this little... Go. Which one? You, you just said that you went to the girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend. Were you not friends really. with her? I, I, no, not really. Right. I knew her quite well. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't particularly like her because she was very superficial and kind of. I don't know. She's just. She's. She's quite a strange person, really. You wouldn't think so to look at her, but she was quite strange. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I went round to her place and tried to find out where, you know, the ex-wife was. And John was there. And... Oh. Yeah. And then... I bet that was a shock. No, no, that's that's not not my daughter's father. This is where you've got to listen because it's a very right. weird, complicated... Sorry, sorry. Not, not my daughter's father. This is the guy that we did the house exchange with that we that brought us water that time up on Henbury right. Court. Right, right. Okay, so it was him. He was there, the guy that I liked, that, that I did fancy, right? I did want... I did like him, but I, like I said, I'd never have done anything. One, I was in a relationship and also I wouldn't have done it to another woman. I'm not like that. Um, yeah. so he he wasn't actually having a relationship with this this girlfriend type thing anyway. He was it, it was over, but they were still spending a lot of time together because they had kids. Um, anyway, so he was there when I arrived, and I think he said, "Oh well, you know, such and such will be, you know, my ex wife will be back home later. Let's go over there later." So we went back later, yeah. and she was there. And she was like, oh, why don't you just go down the pub for a bit because I want to have a bath and blah, 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 blah. So we ended up going, I ended up going down the pub with John. And we were having this really nice conversation. We had a pint and, you know, um, and he was sort of saying, oh, you know, you, you, you'd like to do, like to work in Africa and like help 
kids and what have you. And I, and I just thought, like, oh, this person really gets me. You know, he really does get me. And he had a very sort of... Um, his personality was very infectious and kind of... He had a very high energy when I first met him. Definitely he did. It was like he just exuded this kind of, like, positive energy. Yeah. And... Anyway, so we, we're walking back to my my friend's house, his ex-wife's house, after being at the pub. And we got to the garden gate. We ended up kissing. And anyway, one thing led to another, and we ended up sleeping together that night. And his ex-wife had kind of really put us together. She, she'd encouraged it to a point. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, they hadn't been together for years, but she did She did kind of like, she said, oh, why don't you sleep downstairs with Kim and all of this? So anyway, we slept together. And then, like, because I had the council house in my name, I had to, I had to go back to yeah. to my ex and I had to play a bit of a game because if he'd known that I'd slept with John, he would have gone apeshit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I had to I had to kind of play a game and go back and, and I didn't I, I didn't go back to him and say that we were going to be together. I said it's over. Yeah. Um. And I and he thought that once I got back that everything everything would return to normal, right. whereas I knew it wouldn't because I had gone too far now, you know. Um. Yeah. So I I sort of said no, it's over, but I'm coming back, and I knew he wouldn't hurt me because he would he was going to be nice to me because he wanted me back so I knew I was safe yeah um so I went back and I think I was there for it wasn't very long it was about three weeks and and at this time it was the same date or thereabouts as the hurricane of 87 so I'd got with my oldest daughter's father on the day of the hurricane that was kind of the official day because we'd had to go out and buy a truck together because we had nowhere to live and we moved in together on that day. And just about 12 years later, I ended up like leaving him and then kind of moving in with John, who was then living in this flat down in another town sort of thing. Um, but I'd, I'd gone back. To, to keep my tenancy, if that makes sense, because if you if you stay out of a council house too long, they they take your tenancy away, and it was my it was my house, so I didn't want to lose that tenancy. And in the meantime, um, I dropped my daughter round to the house after I left, and he kidnapped her. He took I couldn't I he wouldn't give her what? back to me. I'd been nice by, by by dropping her off because I wanted her to have a relationship with her dad. Kidnapped her. Yeah, he, he wouldn't let. He, yeah, oh, wouldn't let me have her back, and I, I had to call the police in the end. Yes. And they got her back, but by that point, I think he. I don't really know what happened. I can't. I can't assume, but she was never really quite the same after that. She 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 drew, withdrew away from me and. Anyway, so you you that that for me uh, personally, it's horrible. That must have been devastating. That um, sorry about going through that. That's 
just it, anything. It was, it was because I, yeah, it was because I saw the change. It was very obvious, and from that point on, I was kind of living with John. Yeah. Which I mean wasn't a good, you know. I mean I did some really fucking stupid things, you know, which wasn't good for her. Do you know what I mean? John was also, you know, a heavy drinker. I mean he hadn't, like I say, I hadn't always been that way. He had this this really positive energy when I first met him. He didn't drink or do anything, you know. He was a very different person when I first met him, met him. But by that time, he was drinking and and doing a lot of speed in fact he was really really Ill. the doctors gave him six months to live right because yeah. he was he was seriously serious alcoholic and and kind of well into speed and god knows what yeah. so i should never yeah. i should never have gone there but i i i guess i couldn't see a way of leaving you know my daughter's father to yeah. feel safe because i knew that i would never you know i was going to be harassed by him wherever I went I needed someone else there to protect me and it wasn't the right yeah. reason but I did like him anyway and I just you know my naivety yeah. my stupidity I just kind of thought oh well you know he'll stop drinking it's like, you know he'll yeah, love I me think, and you know it's a really stupid attitude I, that I, have. I think I won't be too hard on yourself with that one because it's, at the end of the day it's like you do you you act um whichever you like you say you acted to feel safe i did uh, yeah i did i mean i was i didn't know one, what was going on at the time i just yeah it's one of them you you, you there's always I a chance to turn to i had no parents and i had no yeah well no one you to didn't turn to. right at the time so that's not really uh that's not a bad thing uh, i mean fucking hell nobody made as many mistakes with me oh uh, no i i haven't believe me i have i really have um anyway the long and short of it was that we ended up like i I stayed with him in this flat for a while and then because it was my tenancy i went i basically told the police that you know it's my tenancy had to leave because i needed to go back and live there with my daughter and so he he had to go and I I managed to move back into this house, which was a beautiful house in the middle of the country. Yeah. It was it was really, really lovely house, council house, massive garden. So we moved back in there, um, me and John. And within this is where it starts to get weird. So within like three months, I got pregnant. And let me think. So yeah, so it was the December, which is my birthday. And just before, oh no, it was actually on my birthday. Um, and bearing in mind, I was, I wasn't, um, I, I hadn't missed a period at this point. So anyway, on my birthday, he says to me, um, oh, you, you're going to, you're pregnant. And I'm like, yeah right you know he's like no you're having a baby you're having a baby and yeah he said that to me he's like you're you're having a baby and I'm like no and yeah I was pregnant so that was the first thing uh and I did I didn't even know because I hadn't missed even missed a period at that point but he knew so sorry just just a quick one I'm just curious did he explain why 
why he knew or why he said it. No. No. So anyway, things, things, I mean, he'd, had he stopped drinking by that point? I, I can't remember if he'd stopped drinking then. Sort of a bit of a blow. Actually, no, he hadn't. It was when I, when I was, when I got a bit more pregnant, he did actually stop drinking just like that, sort of smoking, drinking, because he had he was given six months to live. He was really, really ill. His liver was completely fucked, right? So he stopped drinking anyway and lost loads of weight and, you know, looked completely different. Yeah. I mean, if you could see the change in someone, he looked really, really different, right? And then I'm trying to think if weird stuff happened when I was pregnant. It's hard to remember now. It's such a long time ago. But um, so anyway, we're living together and we've got this summer house in the garden. And we're having fires and, you know, we're having a really nice time together. He's not drinking. We get married. Um, and then, oh, hang on a minute. No. Yeah, that's right. We get married. And on, on the day that we got married... He started, he, he had a drink and he started drinking again. Um, and then my daughter was born in the September. And I think it was about, it was, it was January 2000. That's right, 2000, January 2000 it was. And... I had three months into having my daughter, I had another psychotic episode, right? Because I I guess I was being triggered by the fact that he'd been drinking and, you know, what happened the first time around with my first daughter and feeling insecurity, insecure and everything. It was basically sort of like a, part, uh, a postpartum, which is like, you know, women get when they've had a baby, except it's really severe, but they didn't call it that then. They, used, they called it like a, a psychosis. And John had gone, he'd promised me that he was going to get off the booze again. So he agreed to go into a rehab. So he was in a rehab and I was on my own, right? And he, when he was gone, he's like, just be really careful because, um, you know, people are going to come for you when you're on your own and you're vulnerable so I'm like oh yeah whatever sort of thing anyway so he was he was about I don't know 12 miles down the road in this this rehab and yeah. I was on my own in in this house and within like I don't know it's two or three days of him being gone something like that all these random yeah. people just turned up who when we're in this sort of like matrix of people that we both knew right so there was the ex-girlfriend that I told you about that I didn't particularly like she turned up and 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 so did her friend who John knew as well they just yeah. they'd turn up at the doors and they'd say something like oh have I, have I left my jumper here or it was it was so weird it was like I can't describe it, it was just like something deep in their subconscious was 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 trying to get between us so, and so bizarre it really it, is it really was weird because they just kept turning up at the door and like acting weird 
And I think, what the fuck is going on here? What's this about? Why is this person here asking me this? And why are they there doing this? They never came round before. It's like, now he's not here. They're all turning up out the woodwork. And they're saying weird things. And, I, and it wasn't because I was, like, going a bit crazy. It really wasn't. You know, I mean, I was. But, like, at that point, I, I wasn't. I was I was okay. Do you know what I mean? I was just noticing yeah. that, that this weird stuff was going on with these people. And um, anyway, so I, I'm sort of told John this when I went to see him in the rehab. And he said, look, he said... I need to I need to come out he said because I need to look after you and I was a bit wary because I thought oh is he going to stop drinking blah 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 and I thought actually you know maybe I do need him there because I was feeling very vulnerable um so anyway he came came back out and then it it was it was January 2000 and when he came back out he said he said to me like oh you know there's I can't remember what he said but like he's like oh um you know there's there's things about me that aren't um that that you know I, I I've got these he didn't say he didn't say this I'm, I'm gonna say it for the sake of the story because I don't really know how it happened but he's like oh I've got got these abilities and I'm like well what do you mean and he's like well you know he said you you know there's there's things I I know everything about you and I'm like well, what do you mean sort of thing and he's like well you just have to trust me 100% about everything um so he said, you know, I know everything. I know all your secrets. And he said, you you need to clear everything out of yourself, you know, and, and be honest with me. And he put me through all these, like, weird, like, um, like almost like tests. Like initiation. Yeah, it was initiation. Yeah, that's exactly the oh. word. Yeah. Yeah, he put me through all this stuff. So he said, you need to tell me everything you've ever do- done that you feel ashamed of. And, you know, he said, you know, my middle name is, is I'm going to say Denny here. It's Denny. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, that's because, you know, I knew before I met you that I was going to be with you and we we're going to get married. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? So his middle name is my my name, and I just thought, I, you know, at the time I did know that, and at the time I thought, oh, that's a bit odd, you know. But you know, me being stupid in the head, like, you know, oh, okay, well, that's a bit odd, you know, like that. And um, so I thought that was a bit. So he says, oh yeah, you know, I took that and I changed my na- my middle name to Denny. Oh, that's this isn't the half of it. This is just the fucking beginning of it. So, so it's like because I knew we were going to get married. So you know, I've got your middle name. Um, and he said, you know, remember like when you were a kid and you you were with um two of your friends and one of your older friends made your other friend put her nose in dog shit, and I'm like 
oh my fucking god like you know that was something I I, I never told anyone I felt so ashamed because my friend that that she did that to I didn't we were I think there were three of us there or something like that and I didn't like it you know I wasn't part of I wasn't like that as a child you know I really didn't like it but I felt so bad that I never spoke up against this other girl and stopped her from doing it I I was so ashamed of it and he knew that right he knew um things about me that no one knew he knew what my favorite flower was and I never told anybody what my favorite flower was never told anyone that no reason to he knew all my secrets he knew exactly what had happened in in my life um I had like a post office account that I'd hidden like a book that I'd hidden under the carpet just in case I needed it um it was the only money that I had to myself at the time and he knew it was there and he knew it was under the carpet how he knew that I don't know um and then he was like so I'm gonna you know put you through this these things and you just have to trust me so he he taught me martial arts that was one thing he did right so he'd get me up in the middle of the night and, and train me um <laughs> oh, sorry i know it's sorry bizarre, it's so, so, it sounds crazy it's it like was, it was really crazy but this is this is nothing at the moment <laughs> so he he taught me martial arts um he put me through this sort of like, I suppose what you call it now is is therapy, you know, like yeah. he would do things like, you know, sort of like trust things where you'd you'd um, like stand on these plates and you'd have to trust with a blindfold on and I'd have to trust him <laughs> to guide me on them and things like that. There were lots of like these different little test things that he did with me. <laughs> And I, I started to see that, you know, myself a bit more, you know. Um, but the weirdest thing, right, I, I mean, this is quite hard for me to say, but, like, as soon as I was with him, I became much more sort of sexually open. Right. And because I, I hadn't been before that, I was, like, really... Um, well, my oldest daughter's father used to say I was a prude, and I, I wouldn't say I was a prude, but, well, I don't, I'm not a prude, but, like, he made me feel guilty for the fact that I didn't want to do some of the twisted things that he wanted me to do. Right. Um, but I, you know, at the time, I was quite sexually naive in a way. Um, but as soon as I got with this John, like that, you know, I started to like think about things that I'd never really thought about before and stuff like that. And and he was what, kind of it, like, do you think? Do you do you think that it was like um, sort of some sort of like mind control or something? I don't, I don't know. It sounds like. Well, when you say that, when I look back, I he because he knew exactly how I was. Yeah. He could mirror to me my fucked upness. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So he could show me the way that my brain was hypnotized and conditioned 
he was like a mirror. It was like he would, I mean, all, all like relationships were mirrors to, to, to some degree, but he was like a total mirror. So sometimes he'd do something and I'd act in such a way where I think, what, what the fuck am I doing? Like, and I'd catch myself yeah. acting in a way and, I'd, and I'd think, what, what, what the fuck am I doing? Like, you know, and then I'd think, oh, what he's just done to me randomly has made me act in such a way that I don't understand in myself because I don't know myself. So going back to the the story, so at that point he's like, you know, and you know, I've got this baby and you know, my my other daughter. Um and I had I, I had the massive psychotic breakdown and he he whisked me off to London stepsisters and um, I mean that was, it was a bad it was a bad breakdown um but I can remember thinking that they were like aliens invading and all this sort of stuff it was wild it was um and that went on for about a week and he just looked after me completely with his sister and I mean... then we went because he said, oh, we needed, we had to go because of all these bloody people that were hovering around us and kind of interfering and stuff, because they were. Because it wasn't, it wasn't just people that I knew, it was people that he knew. And a lot of people, he knew a lot of people. And they were all just like, they were like flies around shit. It was weird. It really was. And he was like, we just get away from here because it's, there's this energy and you're the way that you are. And it's like, you, you know, that's, that's kind of attracting these people because you're so vulnerable it's like the it was like the demons were coming out from them because of my own demon if you like it was like it it was just this thing going on so we went away came back after a week and then we we decided that we were going to move away from the area because they were never going to leave us alone and that included my oldest daughter my oldest daughter's father my old best friend who was his ex-wife the girlfriend um various other people that that were on the periphery that were you know if we walked down the high street together people were blanking us and you think well why are they doing that why are they taking a side like that because they don't even know what's going on or what's what do you know what i mean it was bizarre it was just it was yeah, really it weird like, i know it's like it does sound really mind controlling but Jeez. Well, it was it was a whole matrix of would it, people. Would it all? Would it? Do you not think? Um, I mean, you would know better than anybody. But does it not, not also sound like uh, like kind of satanic ritual abuse, maybe? From who? From who? From whoever? I don't know. You, you have people after you, uh, from what it sounds like. Well, I think when we were in a matrix. You know, we are in a matrix. And when you take somebody out of the matrix, whether they die, like, you know, my daughter's father yesterday or whatever, um, or you leave or you you walk away from your family, then it leaves a hole in the matrix. And what happens is they try to then patch that hole up by trying to pull you back. They want you back where you belong in the matrix because that leaves a hole that makes them feel uncomfortable. And when it makes them feel uncomfortable, they're they're forced to change and they don't want to change. So what happens is like that you get all this like sort of vibration through the the matrix where 
where like people start acting a bit odd or whatever but this was very very extreme it was like everyone was like that it was like they were all like couldn't bear the fact that we were breaking away you yeah. know and they were I mean, all trying yeah, to, to pull us mean. back that's um that's a good way of looking at it um but potentially this could could be numerous things wouldn't it really i guess well, as the story went on, this this John guy, yeah. So he moved away, and it's still sort of like doing all these sort of like initiations and teaching me martial arts and what have you. And then, um, did you know what martial arts it was? It was um, mixed martial arts, really. But uh, I, he was a black belt in Aikido and Taekwondo. So he right. was not an idiot, you know what I mean? He'd worked with the Metropolitan Police. He, um, you know, his past was very interesting, to say the least. He knew Elkie Brooks, who's got a, a, a dojo in North Devon. And, like, you know, there was pictures of Elkie Brooks. So the, his past was all very cloudy and very weird because you think, how do you know these people? You know, you, how do you, you know, his whole life was weird. I mean, things that happened to him when he was younger... Um, things that happened like um, in, in his teens he ended up like um, in in French Foreign Legion so he told me right. and then escaped from there because he, he told me what happened and um, it was, it was <laughs> even, it was wild but I, I don't know whether all of it was true now to be honest Um he went so, so sorry then I'm just just making all this so when he was 18 he he went in the foreign legion and then he escaped he did he did from, an, he he was he was involved in an armed robbery right that's he didn't he didn't have a gun he'd done this robbery with this guy in london and he didn't know the guy had a gun and the guy pulled a gun yeah. And they got they they got done for it and they went on the run and they they went across to France and, and to get away from it, they joined the French Foreign Legion. And then it was like once they were in there, they realised how fucking crazy it was, basically. But they then managed somehow to escape. And then as they were coming back on the ferry, they got the police wait were waiting for them and they, they went they went to prison and he was he was in prison for a year and he told me that he was in solitary confinement for that whole time yeah, and it was heavy yeah. and he told me that um you know he never he used to wind them up in there the screws and that and they'd come in and like wrap mattresses around him beat him with truncheons and all this sort of thing and um he would like wind them up and and would never bend to their rules which is why he was in solitary because he just didn't do what they asked him to do I don't think you know they were just well you know what that you know what authorities like he didn't yeah. he didn't take it basically so they did that stuff to him um but his childhood was very difficult he'd been on the street when he was 12, 10, 12. And when he was young, he had very long blonde hair. And 
Dave want he was in a home, but there was all this abuse going on that he Aww. preferred to be on the streets. So he went on the street and he told me that all these like Rastafari guys were kind of taking care of him to some degree. Um, but to, to escape the police, because obviously they were trying to track him, he would dress up as a girl. Right. And he oh, was very... Huh? He was long hair. Yeah, he had very, very long blonde hair. Um, and he he had a very kind of young face when I first met him, because he was he's a year older than me, and I met him when he was 25. Right. And he looked really young men. Um, my kids do too. Um, so that's what he did. He, dre- he dressed up as a as a girl to yeah. to, to stay away from the police, basically, because they were looking for a boy. Um, and he was. I don't know how long he was on the street for, but I'm. You know, that was that was part of his childhood. So he'd gone th- through all this stuff, and then he'd been a bit of a um, like a male escort for a while as well in London because he was he was from London he was a Londoner um, right. to I guess to be safe and to make money and stuff things like that so there was a lot going on in his life before I met him um, anyway so I think when was it? I, I at one point he started drinking again, and he frightened me, and I disappeared. I took we had this little van, and I I went off in it one night with with my daughter, and anyway, I, I ended up going back because it was my house again, so I had to go back. I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing, basically. And um, as it went on, I he could read my mind word for word. And during the time that I was away, I also went to Bristol and I stayed with my brother's girlfriend. Um, and during that time that I was away, my daughter had... Like, as a baby, she had, like, constipation. I was quite worried about it, and I spoke to the midwife, and the midwife was like, well, if you give babies a little bit of sugar in the bottle, then that can get them going sometimes. So I tried that, and and I'd let my brother's girlfriend, who was all part of this matrix, by the way, so she'd been acting pretty weird as well, Um but I'd let her take my daughter upstairs into the bedroom on her own with her, which was a bit odd, to be honest. Why Why did she do that? Do you know what I mean? It was odd. Um, anyway, I ended up going back and he's like, oh, uh, I know everything that you did while you were away. He said, I know you gave, you know, our baby sugar in a bottle. And he said, I also know that um, your brother's girlfriend took our baby upstairs. He said, why did you trust her? And I'm like, what the fuck? Please. How could he possibly have known that? I was in the house on my own. 
he couldn't you know that was bristol yeah and he was in devon Not, nothing uh sorry just said no, please don't say anything about that well, I don't know to this day. I don't know. He never said, he never said, he said, why did you trust her? You know what's going on? Why did you trust her? What were you doing? Letting her do that. So I don't know what happened. Um, and of course, I felt massively guilty. Um, but I could go out down the road and, and speak to someone and then go back and he'd know he'd know that I'd, every single word that I'd said he'd know what I was thinking tell me what I was thinking he told me that I hadn't been truthful about you know some of the things I'd done when I was younger you know and I should tell him and then he'd say that I know this look him I know this this why didn't you just come out and say that, that such and such happened when you were a kid and it's like oh my fucking god like you know I couldn't hide anything from him but the thing was that, like, with the sexuality, going back to that, it was like, because of who he was, it kind of opened me up in some way. And, like, he was, he was when, when, we, when we slept together, I never actually kind of slept with him emotionally ever, right? This is quite weird, this. He would make me talk about everyone else in bed or he'd make me fantasize about being you know this is quite graphic this i'm i'm okay with it but i think um yeah. if it's okay for me to say because it is quite graphic and that the zero boundary so you just say however however you just say how it, how it was okay so it made me fantasize about being in bed with different people like it might be a, somebody that we knew a woman or some you know it might even be I don't know sometimes it was really twisted like my own fam members of my own family things like that and obviously I didn't want to fucking do it I didn't like it at all you know um but there was something inside of me that because I didn't want it in a weird way my body seemed to want it does that make sense like if you if you if you yeah. stop yourself from eating a cake if you say oh no i'm not going to eat that cake then you'll want to eat it even more won't you yeah yeah so yeah. i think i was i was fighting myself so it was kind of almost like turning me on does that make sense yeah yeah, so it wasn't so. it wasn't the fact that I was getting turned on by the the fantasies. It was the fact that I was getting turned on from like fighting myself and feeling yeah. guilty, basically. But I didn't really understand that at the time. You know, I I just I just fought it. I just didn't want to do it. And he was like, "Look, you said you you would trust me." Um, will you just trust me? So I was like, yeah, because obviously something, you know, pretty amazing is going on here. I I thought that like he was, I don't know what I thought he was, some sort of like um, enlightened being or something. You know, I mean, I, the, 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 the things that he could do. I mean, he we, we were hitching up the hill once and he's like, oh, in a minute, um, somebody's going to pick us up in the car and this song will be playing. And I'm like, 
what okay what okay so the car stops get in the car it's green door playing on the fucking radio it's like what the fuck so he knew exactly what was happening every second before after and within and it, it and he, it was just it was it was wild to be with someone like that and once we moved to the we moved to um this new house and he we're going to the shop one day and he's like oh kim there's something for you under a rock down there right and the, bearing in mind i'd never been to this place before and neither had he as far as i know and we we were never out of each other's company ever because he used to get weird stuff with women. I mean, this was another thing. Women, they, they fucking all loved him. They all wanted to screw him, right? All of them. They all wanted to go to bed with him, right? And so, and I'm not a jealous person. I was, it, wasn't, it wasn't coming from a place of jealousy. It really wasn't. They just act really weird and want to sleep with him. And so he, he didn't want to be without me because women used to, go for him and set him up so yeah. if he didn't sleep with them then they'd get nasty and do crazy things I mean it was like that so we were never out of each other's company right so we go to the, the shop and bearing in mind neither of us had ever been down there before we'd just moved he's like stop here a minute so we stopped and he said get out the car and he said behind the gate there he said if you Look under the rock that's there. He'll said you'll you'll find something for you. So I got out of the car. The rock was there, behind the gate, and there was a plastic bag with I'll never forget it. Like like a a Christmas card in it, and it said, "Kim, Merry Christmas, John." And on the front of the card was the three wise kings, three wise men. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? How did that get there? Either he put that there before I was with him, but why would he go out of his way to drive like 25 miles or whatever it was to go and put a card under a rock for a future date? Yeah, that doesn't make sense, does it? How would someone do that? No, it's not. It's not um, a definite no, but it's highly unlikely that I can see that someone would do that. But you, you don't know how. To... But for, the, for it to you still be there like that as well, and you know. know how long had it been there? Because we haven't been out of each other's company. So on the rare occasion that we were, i.e. when I went to Bristol or um, when I'd lived in that, gone off in that van for the night or whatever it was, um, what did he do? Rush 25 miles to put a card under a rock to fuck my head, fuck up, fuck my head up or something. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. There's no other time he could have done it. We were always together, always. Unless he'd done it before he met me. Yeah, then another thing happened. We went, we went to the No. We went to this woods and I can't I can't remember where it actually was now. It was near Plymouth. And um we went out for this walk and this was a few years later. I think it was about three or four years later, something like that. 
and he's like oh and we were in a wood so it's not you can't really find things in a wood you know what that's like and again we haven't been out of each other's company and he's like look behind this tree over here that it's there's there's something there so i look behind there and there's this fucking two bones bound together with some twine in the shape of a cross and I don't know what sort of bones they were but they didn't look like chicken bones to me I don't know what they were as in when you said a cross like a perfect cross or or a grave cross kind of thing no a cross just a cross two bones bound together in the middle it's a cross Shit. In the middle of the woods. I mean, it could have been anywhere. It was a big woodland. I'd never been there before. I'd certainly never been there with him in all that time that we'd been together. How the fuck would you know where to find it in a wood like that? The odds on you finding something like that randomly. Well, first know. time, just like that. I've like never seen, seen it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was another thing that was really weird. And then, anyway, going back to the the sexual stuff, I felt, you know, the more guilty I felt, the worse it was. And and he used to make me talk about, like, you know, my ex-boyfriend, you know, my the one that I was telling you about that abused me, he'd make me talk about him. And, I, of course, I didn't want to. I hated the guys, you know what I mean? Um, but, again, because I shouldn't do it, it was, it, it was fucking with my head, basically. Um, and anyway, then, then he was sort of like getting me to sort of dress up and like do things like when if a guy came around the house, like act a certain way and, you know, sort of dress up and not flirt exactly, but just sort of walk around in a short miniskirt or something, which was, you know, I'm really not like that at all. It's just not my character. Um, but because I, these things had happened, I kind of... I did it because I thought, I th- I think I thought deep down that he was going, I was there because I was going through an initiation and at the end of the initiation, you know, that I would be in this perfect love with this amazing guy that was go- going to rescue me and, and show me what enlightenment was. That's basically what I kind of thought yeah. somewhere in my head. And also, he could read tarot in, in a way that... No one else could. I mean, he didn't even need tarot. He could just, like, he, you, you could pick a card out yourself from the deck, so he didn't even touch it and he'd know what the card was. Are you there still? Yes, yes, I'm just... Uh, it's all right, it's my phone buzzed, I think. Uh, yeah, 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 she's done that a few times. Is that a messenger? Yeah, um, yeah, right, right. yeah, I think it's coming on no Instagram. So, yeah, there was that. But he he taught me, how, that's how I read tarot. He taught me how to read tarot and that specific deck as well. He was the one that gave me that deck. And we, yeah. we sat down and learned it. He, he, we sat down and learned it together. He taught me how to do it. Um, read through the book together and we discussed it. We read loads of books as well. We read... Um, 
The Mustard Seed by Osho, which is an incredible book. If you have not read it, it's an incredible book. It's called the Mustard Seed. The Mustard Seed. It's the is the teach. It's the it's the um the Gospels according to Saint um Saint Thomas. So right. it's um you know it's not the oh, other yeah. Gospels, um and it's translated. So they're parables of Jesus, and Osho. Have you heard of Osho? No. Um, oh, okay. And then, yeah, you need to be, you need to be finding out about Osho because <laughs> right. that's pretty weird as well. That that whole thing because I can kind of see what Osho was because of what I went through. But anyway, Osho was a um, an Indian mystic, um, and a lot of people a very controversial one. A lot of people think he was like you know a cult leader and well he he what well he was but I don't actually think that actually what he actually was not in the way it was, was portrayed no i think there was much more went right. on with that um than people know but from the outside he looked like a cult leader but if you read that book for me i've read lots of books by different spiritual people like ram das and um alan watts um lo loads of stuff but there's no one that's that, that um, writes like Osho does. It's like, oh my right. fucking God, I get it. Yeah. It's just like, you, you just see in a whole different light when you read his stuff. It's It just touches you in a way that nothing else does. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a look, I'll have a look at that later on. So he trans, in that book, he translates the Gospels. Um, and it, it's just a brilliant book. It's a big, thick book, but you can read it in increments. Um, yeah. And I, although I've not ever really kind of been into God as such, I have always had this affinity with the Bible and with with Jesus as well. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I, I'm not certainly wasn't a Jesus freak, but I always felt I was always interested in like RE at school, and and yeah, I did actually, I was actually confirmed when I was at boarding school. And was then, you um, sorry, sorry, Danny? Was you? Uh, I, I know up here it was mainly. Um, well, it was like uh, Church of England mainly, mainly up here. But there, there was some like um, like Protestant uh, Church of England. There was some. Well, Catholic, this not as much as there is now. Was no, well, I was. I, I was. You know, my parents were Protestant, but when I was at boarding school, we had to go to we had to go to church every Sunday, and I used to love the chanting and stuff. And I decided that I was going to be confirmed because I I had this affinity with Jesus. Um, but the, as soon as I actually got confirmed, and they told me that the priest said like, "Oh, you have to go to church." every week unless you're ill or dead and you can only do that three times a year i thought well this is a load of fucking bullshit isn't it then you know what so you're saying god doesn't love me because i i haven't gone to church it didn't it didn't make yeah. sense to me and also you know there he was like drinking wine and and um you know eating meat and i was a vegetarian by that point it just for me i'm not saying vegetarian's the right way or anything like that but for me it just didn't it didn't make sense. And I just thought this yeah. is just bollocks for me. I can't be following this dogma, you know. 
So the moment I was confirmed, I literally stepped out of it. Um, I didn't like it, but I always had that weird affinity with Christ. And and my parents weren't religious at all. I never had anything rammed down my neck, nothing. They never talked about it at all. Religion was not mentioned in my house, really. So it didn't come from that. It was just inside me from from the beginning. And I don't know where it came from or why, but I had that thing. And um, so anyway, we read this mustard seed. We read um, another one of Osho's book. I think it was the heart, the heart chakra or something like that. Book. And we read loads of these books, different books anyway. So. The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. If you've never read that, it's a beautiful book. Um, no. it's a it's a Sufi book. Um, and it's he was like a. It's called the Prophet. Gibran. And it's 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 just beautiful, like wise little stories, I suppose, about human human nature. It's not a very big book, but it's it's a lovely book. It's a really, really lovely book. So we read that together, and you know, you know, like I say, it was like an initiation. And that you took the words out of my mouth because I couldn't think of that word, but that's what it felt like I was going through. And then coupled with this sort of sexual stuff, it was like you know I was baffled by what was going on. Obviously, I was, and I was thinking to myself that whatever was going on inside myself was to help me and to guide me through my ego really I suppose yeah and also he told me about the monastery that I then went to 11 years later which was all very weird because we never went there right yeah but he told me about it and he said oh um there used to be nuns there but there's monks there now and he said, "One, would you like to go?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, you're not ready at the moment." He said, "But one day you will, you will meet people and be involved." And so he taught me all about Buddhism. We read loads of Buddhist books. He told me about that monastery. And then, eleven years on, when I finally left him, um, I ended up on the street. So we're jumping 11 years on here. I ended up on the street and I lost all my kids. Um, Which was really fucking heavy, really fucking heavy. Um, And I took myself to this monastery in, in a complete, I mean, the whole, the whole lead up. So I'll tell you the story quickly. We'll do the 11 year one now because it was a whole story. So when I left, I'd left, I'd been on the street on and off like weekends and stuff because things were going on with him. He was drinking loads, doing loads of speed and things were just getting from bad to worse. He was screaming at me all the time and, you know, fucking with my head and making me do all sorts of shitty things, which I'll go back to. Um, And so when I left, I ended up on the street and I, the first time it happened, I, well, first time I was, sort of left for a period of time I was hitching I was hitching to Plymouth really to try to get into a hostel and and you know I didn't really know what I was going to do but that was kind of my aim and I was hitching along the road and this guy stopped and he was a gypsy and he goes uh 
oh, he said, I never come back this way, but he said, something told me to come this way and pick you up. When I saw you, he said, I knew I had to pick you up. He said, there's something different about you. And I just thought, you know what? Because he, he said, oh, you can come back and stay at mine. So I said, look, I'm, I'm going. He said, where, where are you going? I said, well, Plymouth. I said, I'm going to try and go into a hostel. And he said, don't go there. He said, come with me. He said, you can stay at mine. Um, it'll be safer. So I thought, you know what? It probably will be safer. And the guy was like 75. So I got in the car and I went back to his. And I stayed there for about, I don't know, it was probably about a month or so, I reckon. Yeah. And he, I mean, he did have his own agenda. He wasn't Mr. Nice Guy or anything like that. Um, he wanted me to kind of go to bed with him. I don't think he wanted to sleep with, you know, screw me or anything like that. But I think he, he wanted to just like snuggle up with me in bed and I was like look I said that is not happening I said if you if you expect that from me I'm gone and he's like no 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 it's fine you stay blah 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 so I stayed and then after about it was probably about a month I decided that I was going to go back and try and sort it out with John with the kids you know because by then I had four kids my other daughter ended up living with her dad that's another story um so anyway, I I, try, I went back. The, the whole fucking day went from crazy, from just normal to crazy in about five minutes flat. Because I went back there. He was like, oh, come in. And who should be in the house but his ex-fucking wife, who she's now sleeping with, with John. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing here? So this is part of the Matrix thing again. It's like, what the fuck is she doing here all these years later? As soon as, like, I've gone, she's, like, in bed with him. And and anyway, she has a right fat go at me in the house, starts screaming at me, and I, I come out, and he's like, oh, come on, we'll go down to the pub. So I go down the pub. He starts drinking, and I start to, like, just... He starts saying things about me really loud in the pub, and I'm like, "Oh my fucking god, what's going on?" And I went into the loo, and I, yeah. I, I sort of, I went into the sort of like um, moment of just literally a moment of psychosis, and I sat on the loo and I had my trousers down, and my legs were all sort of like mottled purple because I, I was cold, my circulation wasn't very good. And I just, when I looked down, I just thought, oh my God, I'm actually in fucking hell. I'm in hell. And it was just that thought, I'm in hell. I've, I'm on another, I'm on another realm and I'm in hell right this moment. And then as soon as I was in it, I was out of it again. And I thought, fuck. And I went back out to the bar and, and then we left. And then like I'd driven this gypsy guy's van over and John takes the fucking keys off me and throws them down the drain. So I couldn't get back to, to this gypsy guy and I had to phone him up and sort of say, look, the car, I've lost the keys, you know, they're down the drain, John's done such and such. And he's, I don't really remember what happened after that. But anyway, I ended up going back with John again after that because I was suddenly, you know, I could go back to this gypsy guy after all that shit had gone down, could I? So that was all fucked up. So I ended up going back to, to John again. And I think I was there about another 
three weeks, things got from bad to worse. There was some real crazy shit went down. I, you know, I went, um, I went back. We were down in Cornwall, and we because we were traveling around in vehicles as well at the time. We had houses, but we'd spend a large amount of our time in vehicles as well. And I'd gone down. We'd gone down to Cornwall in our bus, and we were staying at somebody's house in our bus and I'd gone off I'd come back to Devon to get I think I'd come to get a book or something I don't know what it was I'd come back to get something and I had my daughter with me who was then 10 and got back on the train to come back down and um my daughter's like badgering me to talk to her and I'm, I'm my head's somewhere else. I'm not concentrating on a mess like, you know, and I get this phone call from John saying like, you know, listen to your daughter, you know, what, what are you doing? Don't, don't come back here like that, you know, and all of this. And I'm like, what? He said, don't, don't come back. Just fuck off, go. And I'm like, well, I can't just fuck off where with my daughter, you know, so I had to go back. So I get back to the train yeah. station He's on the platform. We walk up onto the road and I mean, talk about psychological torture. We go onto the, the top of the railroad and he's, and I'm stood by the bridge. He's like, go on, jump. I'm like, what? He's like, go on, jump, jump. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, because obviously by then he'd manipulated my brain so much. I thought I had to do everything Ash. that he told me to do. So I'm in this complete oh, fucking turmoil in my head. Do I jump? Do I, what do I do? But, you know, obviously my survival mechanism kicked in and I didn't do it. Yeah. And I didn't know what he was going to do if I didn't do it. I mean, the psychological fucking torture of that was just unbelievable. It was so fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, went back. And things got from bad to worse. We ended up going back home. There was a big scene at home. And then I left again. And um, I decided that this time where I was going to go, I was going to go to the monastery that he told me about 11 years earlier. I knew yeah. where it was. And I had the picture of it in my head. And I thought, all right, I'm, I'll go there. So the night that I left, I ended up like, it was fucking freezing. It was so cold. And all I had a pair of old jog jogging trousers on a leather jacket i had a bold head because he'd shaved all my hair off um oh, and nothing on my head and not, all i had was like this this like um bum bag on with 30 quid in it and i wandered up this path into the woods out of town and this all happened in totness right I wandered up, up along the like river, and I went up into the woods. And I, 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 on the way up there, I bought like ten pack of razor blades and a four pack of special brew. And I was going to kill myself. That was my, that was what yeah. I was going to do. I wasn't going to the monastery at that point. I was going to kill myself because I lost all my kids. Everything was gone. I had nowhere to live. My parents, I hadn't seen my parents for like oh, yeah. twelve yeah, years. Yeah. I hadn't seen my sister. Nothing. Ah. Huh? Yeah, but your head was proper fucked. Yeah, it was really fucked up. I, I, you know, he totally fucking diminished me. I, there was nothing left of me. I was totally screwed up. 
and I sat up. It was a lovely day in the day, but it was cold. And I sat up on the hill by the river and I drank two cans of special brew. And I had these razor blades and I, uh, and then I don't know, it was just so beautiful sat up there in the sun by the river yeah. and I was on my own, the stress kind of gone because I was just on my own, you know? Um, and I thought, I don't actually want to kill myself. I just want to get better. I just want to get better. And yeah. I think at that point when I wanted that inside my soul, something changed and I started, just loads of magical things happened. It, it, like that moment I walked back along the path and yeah. I just thought, well, it's so cold. How am I going to keep warm for the night up here, you know? Um, and as I walked along the track, and this, you know, this really was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it wasn't far from the town, but it was remote and it wasn't on a path or anything. Yeah. And I walked along the path and over a fucking branch of a tree, I found an old blanket just hanging there. Oh. I got that down. Oh. Yeah. I got that down. And I, I, I wrapped it around me and I thought, well, you know, I looked in the little bum bag I had and I found a lighter in there, right? And I swear, I, I kid you not, I never, ever, ever carried a lighter. I didn't smoke, never carried yeah. one. But for some reason, two weeks before I left, I put one in my bag and I thought, well, maybe one day I might need one. And I put that in my fucking bum bag two weeks before. So I, I, I got the lighter. I lit a fire yeah. and I wrapped this mouldy old blanket around myself and I and I, I drank the rest of the special brew and I'd been back down into town and I got a bottle of cider. I drank the cider and <laughs> I fell asleep by this, this fire in the middle of nowhere in the freezing cold, with a bold head. Um, and I woke up in the morning. <laughs> this is, I've got to laugh at this. It's quite funny, but like... I woke up in the morning and I was on fire. <laughs> like it was so like, it was so old that it just caught fire and I kind of rolled towards the fire in the night because I suppose I was drunk yeah. and it just cut, it was starting to smoulder and smoke. <laughs> oh, lucky, shit. Man, yeah. <laughs> and I looked up and there was this guy literally about three or four feet away from me walking his bloody dog and I'm lying by this fire with this blanket around me it's like oh what yeah. the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so anyway in a way there yeah oh it was mad so I thought right what am I going to do so I thought right go to the monastery so I and I had 30 quid in my pocket I was going to go to um, Chithurst Monastery, which is in Sussex, but I didn't have enough money to get there. So I thought, well, I'll go to the one in Honiton. So I got on the bus. I arrived in Honiton. And I, by this time, I'd stopped in the church in Exeter. I, it was it was um, Good Friday. I remember it very clearly. And I went into the cathedral in Exeter. And I sat in the church and I just, I prayed. I literally prayed. And I come back out and I got the bus from Exeter to Honiton. And again, I went into the church there and I just sat there and I was just in floods of tears. I was, you know, in a state. And this little old woman came up and she said, are you all right, love? And I said, no, I said, I'm homeless and I'm trying to get to the monastery and I don't really know where it is and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, look, she said, 
here's some money, go and get yourself some, some food. And she said, tomorrow morning, she said, if you sleep in the, the, like the doorway of the church tonight, she said, tomorrow yeah. I'll take you up to the monastery. And she was a Christian, obviously, because she was in the church. And she was, she was 82 years old, this woman, right? So anyway, I had a meal, found the church, this other church, and I, I sat in the um, sort of like the, the stone porch bit of the church, and I, I finished the rest of the cider that I had, and that was the last drink I ever had. Yeah. And I stayed there the night on my own in this fucking graveyard in this church in the in the in the you know in the porch bit. Yeah. Um, got up in the morning. Um, and she picked me up, took me to to the monastery. But the, the weird, the such a weird thing about this is like that. I knew that I knew what the monastery looked right at, like, and I thought I'd been there. Like in my head, I thought I'd been there with with John at some point because he obviously told me about it and all of that. I kind of thought we'd been there. And um, so I'm driving down the lane with this old woman. She's driving me along the lane. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the road goes past the monastery and the monastery's on the right and it looks like that, blah, blah, blah. And then we pull into the, the car park and I'm thinking, hang on, this isn't this isn't how it is because the road didn't carry on. It There was just a car park and it came to like a dead end. And I thought, this is really weird because in my head, I've seen this road go past. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, okay, so it's not how I remember. So I went into the monastery and it was all exactly as I'd seen it and everything, but, but there was a difference. And that difference was that the, you stepped up into what was known as the sala, which was the area where all the monks, monks and everybody had their food and that. But in my head, you stepped down into it. I mean, it's a tiny detail. But I yeah. kind of thought, well, I thought it's a bit different. And then, like, after I was there for a while, I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I've never been, actually been here. I've never been here in my life. And yet I knew how it was. But that's the reason I got the road bit wrong, because I've never actually been there. But it was a pre- it must have been some kind of premonition or something. I don't know what it was. Oh yeah. Well, I said I said you are Danny, right? Should we? Um, I, I've sent you a message on Instagram. Do you want to have a quick, just a quick look at that for us, please? But okay. What, uh, crazy, isn't it? Oh, it's this. Yeah, this is, it is mental. I mean, this is. Yeah, it's. I don't know anyone that's been through anything like this. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. No, it's. Um, this worse for me. It's, this is like proper fucking crazy. It really is. I mean, you know, it's not like some like alien thing. I, I did often think that he was an alien or something. I did think that. I don't know what the fuck he was. I still don't to this day. But like, you know, it's you you get all these paranormal stories on these podcasts, don't you? And some of the interviews you've done and that, and it's yeah. it's incredible. But this is just on this level yeah, in this realm different. do you know what i mean it's completely yeah. very different and but i just just a little bit it's a bit like waking up at random times doing martial arts and shit it's yeah. fucking crazy yeah yeah like it really it, was like it, it, the initiation it's just uh, this is wild but yeah uh, should we uh wrap, wrap it up yeah up? Yeah. Part two. Um, 
Yeah. It's just getting it's just getting, it's getting wild and it's getting it's just, yeah. yeah, it's ramping up. Um, Julie is fascinating, and, and you've been through so much shit. It's it's crazy, and it what um, you think uh, what a human being could put some of the men to uh, love and care for through. It's I just can't it makes no sense to me how some people are, but we're all different, aren't we? You still lurking? I mean, then it's just getting, it's like I said um, before we um, lost connection, it is just, it's fucking, like I say, it's wild. It's It's mind-blowing. It's just like nothing anyone's ever been through, and that's what makes it so hard, really. Yeah, I mean, it it could potentially potentially be uh, numerous things. It could be many things as well at the same time. Yeah, Um, well, I I can say what I think it is at the end of it all, and what you know, that's that's, there's kind of rhyme and reason to it in the end, which I will go into, um, obviously. But yeah, I mean that's the next. I hope that it hasn't jumped over all over the place too much that it's no, made it a bit no, no, difficult but, uh, to understand. Uh, but yeah, I think um, part two. I think um, incredible. But yeah, um, say, I um, should imagine for part three, um, which I cannot wait for. Forward. To, uh, yeah, it's equally as crazy, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so before you go, do you want to let everybody know where they can get older, please? Yeah, my my email really is probably the best place. Um, that's dennydance8 at hotmail.co.uk and I'll I'll get back if anyone contacts me. Yeah. Um, also, any services what you offer? Well, um, I'm a tarot reader. I'm good with dream interpretation. I'm intuitive. Um, I can kind of read and feel people and know what they're kind of what they're about really quite quickly and easily. So I can help people to understand themselves. And I do use the tarot for that, but I'm also a, a psychotherapist, so I can offer that. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, anything holistic, really. A lot, a lot of things. I know a lot about diet. I know a lot about, um, you know, various other therapies that I've kind of delved into, like anger release and drama therapy, dance therapy. I've dived on endless stuff, really. Um, so, so I can tell people about things like that if they're interested. Uh, yeah, anything really. If you, if people ask, I'm, I'll probably have something to say about something. I would think. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been uh, fascinating. 
conversations. <laughs> and, uh, I really, really, I feel honoured that you've uh, shared your journey with us. Um, it really is incredible. Thank you. Well, it's, it's good um, for me to get I, it out of me as well, to be honest. And yeah, to be, yeah, but it's, yeah. To yeah. be heard because a lot of people haven't believed me, you know, and it's been very painful to not be believed. And I don't, I don't expect people to believe me, but I do expect people to listen openly and to accept what I say yes. as my truth, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm certainly yeah. not lying. And I, I might have had my psychotic episodes, but I wasn't, I wasn't either. crazy for eleven years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, no. I didn't imagine and, uh, some. People, we don't realise that um, fucking trauma would pull through. Yeah. But and a lot of it's by the people that that, that were closest to the people that we love. Oh, it love. is. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I could really can't wait till we uh, begin part three. But uh, yeah, Dennis, thanks again. Uh, that was brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much and catch you soon. Yes, I'll stop recording now, but don't go anywhere. As we move forward, anytime you come closer to something, your vision should get clearer. Am I right? You are a tool in the hidden hand is using you. Please don't be delusional. The rulers of this world practice confusing you. The people and the priests and the imams have been jammed by government scams. Minds systematically programmed. Blatant black hatred and racism. The way they lace the whole world and nation with traces of Satanism. This place is a pagan prison. The founding fathers enslaving intentions were no different than Bush's and Reagan's visions. 1776 took action. This Illuminati took form Spawn from a Colombian faction Just sit your one dollar bill over And if you want me to expose the true code of deception I will show you We live in a designed wicked system The number 13 is consistent in Masonic symbolism It represents transformation 12 completes the cycle So 13 is rebirth and regeneration The meanings of the symbol are strategically hid On the left side you see a 13 layered pyramid Over that sits the all-seeing eye with the light Shines a sign of the devil watching over you at all times. The words Anna with Coeptus 13 letters meaning he has favored our undertakings. Will you accept this? Or will you learn the science and ignore them? Under the pyramid, you see Nova's Ordo Seclorum. Translated, new order of the world, or the new world order. Authors and satanic fathers of mass slaughter. The eagle that you see on the right sits below 13 stars with a shield that has 13 stripes and an olive branch in its claws with 13 leaps, which is supposed to be in its talent to represent peace. But peace was always on a decrease. His other claw holds 13 arrows of war, sent to be released. And the letters at the bottom of the pyramid are fixed with the Roman numerals that equal 1776. The United States of America exists in the deep devilish abyss with truth and paganism mixed. Every president that ever lived was foul. They gather at Bohemian Grove where they bow down before the owl, see the owl is wide and sees through the darkest of night. And there's a small one on the dollar, near the one on the top right. It ain't hard to understand this government was never for us. The eagle was based off of the Egyptian hawk Horus. Thirteen colonies who went to wicked sovereignty and made no apology for the obvious idolatry. Subconsciously, we followed the ways of the beast and paid homage to pagan gods when we say 
days of the week like Sunday. They worship the sun. Monday is moon day. Tia, the god of war, was worshipped on Tuesday. Odin, the chief goddess, who Wednesday is named for. Thursday is Thursday, god of thunder, the mighty Thor. Friday was named after Frigga, notice the pattern. Saturday is the Roman god of agriculture, Saturday. Frigga was the goddess of love, the wife of Odin. The polytheistic theology needed to code. The rituals like trips across the sand as man takes the skull and bones fraternity. The secret handshakes would understand. He receives only 33 degrees. He secretly believes in Lucifer and other deities. Many powerful and rich people are controlled by these. They even hold the soul of several of your favorite MCs. Politicians telling lies, tongues riddled with thorns, and use hand gestures shaped in the form of devil horns. You don't see in the city hall because you don't know what it entails. Satan tapers with stem cells and sprays chemtrails. The so-called holidays are hypocrisy. Established to use religious doctrines to commit annual robbery. Christmas split in half is Christ's mass. The so-called birth of Jesus where every home has glowing lights cast. Christ the anointed one mass, the birth celebration. Jesus' birth was kept secret due to the situation. The king initiated a death plot because the Messiah was prophesied to rule so Jesus' murder was authorized. No one knows the actual date. That's why sometimes Xmas, X-Men's unknown, but ignorance affects us. A fraud that was purposely flawed. December 25th, the birthday of the wicked ruler Nimrod. His whole disguise was part of Satan's universal rise. A holy prophet's life being pimped and commercialized. Traditions like lights on trees rooted in the Nicene Council in 325 AD. So Constantine, these matters were decreed. The concept of a virgin birth was actually conceived and then agreed with graven images in the temple. The fish on your car is called Onus, a Babylonian symbol. It's visibly contradictory, telling your children lies. You need to make them study Santa Claus's sick history. But yet we go wherever Satan leads us. The falsehoods we practice in his name ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.